1: accessed entry 733.2K0934. Certificate number 34884. London Bridge is down.
2: Now, citizens of the future, you may not know this, but in our time, death is very much a fact of life. That's not a physical constant. We could be speaking to people who have overcome death, John.
1: That's true. I'm hoping in our own lifetimes that we overcome death and that I can be one of the first Eternals.
2: I'm pretty confident that it'll be the generation, like, immediately behind me. Like, Ugh. if you're if you're five years younger than us, those guys will live forever. That's
1: so frustrating. You know,
2: we'll make it to the same old, uh, you know three score and 10 or whatever's in the Bible. And then they will just all, all these terrible young people will live forever.
1: It's one more reason I despise the youth of today. Because they might get better antibiotics and stuff. Because they're going to live forever and and we'll just fade. We'll be a distant memory.
2: We will be the last generation to know death. That's right. I may be the last to die. So we're probably seeing, is that your goal? The last human ever to die.
1: It's going to be big statues. They'll erect a statue and then about 150 millennia later, they'll tear it down because they'll be like, we don't celebrate dead people anymore. What a downer.
2: <laughs> and it'll be like, no, this is the heritage of death. Mm-hmm, that's right. No, uh, people will probably still die. Even you could be the last to die of old age, but like a bunch of bricks are still going to fall on somebody. But death
1: now is still a big deal.
2: It, yeah. Just so you know, Future, we still have death. Um, up until John's death, at which point it will <laughs> apparently end, and it, it it affects much of our thinking and how we've built our civilization just around this idea that we're not going to be here long. Because in general, death comes unexpectedly to every man.
1: Yeah, it's profoundly it profoundly influences everything we say and do. I would argue.
2: And I like that it's unexpected. I feel like I would not do well with some Logan's Run type future <laughs> civilization. And, and no offense if, if I'm describing you to a T, where everybody knows the day they turn 36 by the lunar calendar, they have to go to carousel or
1: carnival or whatever. So if some mystic person had just arrived here and said, Ken, I, I will tell you the day of your death in exchange for some sort of uh, ultimate wisdom, you wouldn't take the bargain?
2: Well, I don't know what the, what the boon is. I, I, oh, I, I need to see the boon in the scenario, but no, you're right. Like that to me, that is not a plus. I do not want to know. Cause you know, I'm a little bit, you know, I think about death a lot anyway, and I don't right. want to get all OCD with like, I'd have a ticking thing on my phone. Let's say if, like, it, if the, it, instead if the, of checking social media, I'd be checking my phone like 50 times a
1: day to be like, ah, <laughs> oh, still 16 years. What if the trade was that you could be invisible? <laughs> <laughs> Would you trade knowing the day of your death, knowing the hour of your death, for being invisible?
2: Uh, wait. So being invisible is the good thing. but you knowing get to the be hour invisible. Of my death is the bad thing. Yeah,
1: you get to be invisible. Although you know you're you're fairly you're fairly moral person. Maybe you wouldn't want to be invisible. I, th-
2: I thought you were about to say you're fairly invisible anyway, <laughs> which I thought was going to be the meanest thing. <laughs> you're kind of all the same kind of beigey pinky color all the time, Ken. No yeah. one really notices you. Yeah. Uh, The reason why I bring up the unexpectedness of death um, is not to make you feel bad about being the last human being ever to die, Mm -hmm. John, but because there is one case in our own time where uh, a a certain death has not just been expected, but long awaited and planned for over 50 years. Bob Dylan? (laughs) Sir Paul McCartney, that's right. (laughs) No, for the last 50 years or so. 50 years. Who's...
1: The, Who has anybody cared about for 50
2: straight years? Since the, there's really only one answer to this. Since the mid-1960s, uh, there have been detailed, increasingly detailed protocols and plans in place for the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II.
1: Uh, of course.
2: Uh, the because, only, it, because as you
1: say, it could have happened at any time due to accident or other unforeseeable thing.
2: Sure. Uh, links uh, the Queen of England, uh, you know, uh, we still have a few constitutional monarchies in our era. It's a largely ceremonial title, but one of the great world powers is still- uh, Ostensibly ruled. Ostensibly ruled (laughs) by a nice old lady with with little dogs with short legs.
1: Right. Lots of hats.
2: And uh, an incredible array of hats. And she's what? uh, As of this recording, she's in her
1: mid-90s. And the longest reigning Queen of England, and perhaps the longest reigning royal of all time? I think she is –
2: she's the longest currently. The king of Thailand passed away recently, and that was a whole thing because as much as British people kind of grudgingly love their queen, people in Thailand love their
1: king with the force of law. But the king of Thailand is actually regarded still as a kind of deity or at least like empowered by provenance.
2: Yeah, and uh, I think in part the late king still is because his son – who uh, ascended to the throne is kind of a screw up.
1: He's like a race car driving. Yeah, like,
2: they always, there's always you know video of him in some mall in Hong Kong wearing a wife beater and yelling at people. Yeah, and, he
1: drinks blue cocktails and is generally kind of regarded as unroyal, un- right. unworthy.
2: But we would go to some skeevy um, jail with European heroin people if we were to say that in Thailand. Because there are actually laws there against
1: saying anything bad against royalty. Even in a Thai restaurant, I would avoid <laughs> saying anything bad. You know, there, there, in there's Thai restaurants, a there's a picture of the king. That's Can right.
2: you imagine going to a fish and chips place and they got a big picture of Queen Elizabeth? I mean, that's a whole different world. I think that actually does is the case.
1: If you go to any place in, in uh, I'm sorry, not any place, but a lot of places in Turkey, you'll find a picture of Ataturk still on the wall. We don't really have that, you know,
2: even though we're uh, a huge person in our political spectrum is devoted to this adulation of the founding fathers, you would actually think it was weird if you went in to somebody's study and there was a, uh, you know, unless it's the Oval Office, there's a picture of Paul Revere or something. You'd be like, what are you,
1: what are you doing? Is
2: this a second grade classroom?
1: Although, you know, we are broadcasting from Washington state and George Washington's profile is on our state flag. It's on everything. Like, it's
2: on our highway signs. Like, uh, the, the state highways are George Washington's profile. There's a statue of him in the facing away from the plaza of the University of Washington, a place where he never came within
1: <laughs> 2,500 miles of. <laughs> you know? But we are the rare instance where the, our state is actually named after a founding father. And that's kind of a leftover
2: thing from the 19th century when maybe people vaguely cared a little more.
1: Yeah, there's still an opportunity that uh, Southern Oregon and Northern California will split off and form the state of Jefferson, Uh, but that's, I think, that's still on the drawing board. I
2: don't know if they're locked in. Are they locked into the name? Because it is kind of a throwback. It's been Jefferson for decades.
1: Yeah, they talk about it still as Jefferson State.
2: Uh, Jefferson State, by the way, sounds like a phony... College in a 1970s Disney movie, right?
1: Yeah, or or worse, like a 1980s going to college <laughs> right. uh, teen sex comedy. three <laughs> Jefferson
2: State. Um, speaking of of uh, code names for things, the plans you know now in their fifth decade for the death and funeral of Queen Elizabeth and the succession of the next monarch have a code name. They are called London Bridge. They're, they're called London Bridge. So that the code phrase is London Bridge is down. So she is known as London Bridge? It's a little weird, right? Apparently, all of the funeral plans in recent years have been bridges. Uh, when the Queen Mother died, that was Tay Bridge. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when Diana died uh, a decade before, they didn't have a plan because no one thought Diana was going to be next. So they had to use the Queen Mother's plan. Oh. And, and that was the announcement. Tay Bridge is down. Uh, the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip's funeral plans are called Fourth Bridge. Um, Right.
1: He's pretty far down on the list of bridges that anybody's going to care about. Right.
2: What's the what's the most minor bridge who's just kind of nobody's driven over it in 70
1: years? It, I've never thought of that. But can you imagine Prince Philip's funeral? There aren't going to be like 80,000 people at the gates of Buckingham <laughs> Palace. It'll be a, like seven old ladies with little British flags.
2: That's kind of the story of his life, isn't it?
1: But Elizabeth is a beloved monarch and is seen as the last great royal. That's the thing. She's been in office for, what, 1952. So as of this mm-hmm. recording,
2: that is 65, 66 years.
1: And when she ascended, it was she was a, a young and and beautiful queen pretty young princess unexpected that she would take over so young
2: right and n- never in the line of succession until the unexpected abdication of her uncle right. in the 1930s just because he was incredibly horny for some uh, american divorcée
1: yuck can you I, i've heard the actual the anecdote that when when he abdicated princess margaret turned to elizabeth who was 13 and margaret was something like 8 and she said does that mean that you're going to be the queen? I don't know why she had to have a Cockney accent. Yeah, well, she has a working class accent. Hi, <laughs> oh, you have nothing. your shoes. She said, does that mean that you will one day be queen? And Elizabeth said, yes. And she said, I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> These people never wanted to be, that's why she's always tromping around Scotland in uh, waiter boots and, uh, you know, uh, whatever she does out there.
1: Mm-hmm. She, uh, she races dri- drives corgis. Drives a Hummer, <laughs>
2: <laughs> drives a Jeep around and ra- it's races It's not a corgis. Jeep. It's a Range Rover. Come on. Uh, I'm using Jeep with like a small J. You're right. It's got to be a Range
1: Rover. So yeah, she's up at uh, Balmoral Castle just trying to be a regular person. Is that what you're saying?
2: Uh, as much as possible. I think, you know, in the in the last 60 odd years, she's really come to grips with the idea. I'm sure very soon you realize your life is never the same again. Yeah. But she's the least, you know, regal pomp and circumstance
1: kind of person. I read that she does over 400, like something like 600, like massively more than, than there are days in the year, like 600 events in a year. She, She does multiple things every single day, goes to bank openings and, you know, throws the first Frisbee at the, at the Frisbee golf championships.
2: So walking down a line and shaking hands to people calling her mom is to the Queen of England what golfing is to the President of the United States. That's right. That's hundreds right. and hundreds of, of events.
1: Something she's going to do every day. And, and there's a lot of, there's so much scrutiny on her. What she's wearing, how many times she's worn that hat. Uh,
2: but, par- but part of the self-awareness of her office is knowing that she's just a brick in the wall, you know, that she's part of a link in a chain. Mm-hmm. And so she's always got this self-awareness of her own mortality and succession. You know, it's part of her job is to die and not be queen anymore. You know, that's that's a success for her.
1: Right. Is to install Is to install an heir and die. Now, are you someone who thinks that Charles should become king or do you think it should pass directly to William.
2: I guess I've never seen any kind of serious consideration of this other than talking heads saying how great that would be because Charles is going to be in his, what, 70s at this yeah, point? I think probably late at 70s. At the time he becomes Charles III. Did you know that he may not be Charles third? by the way?
1: Well, don't kings often take uh, regal names that are different from their given names?
2: They do. And I think this is forgotten just because it hasn't happened. You know, the last coronation, Winston Churchill was
1: the prime minister. <laughs> you know, there so have been- He could become King uh, Alphonse.
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, Edward VIII was David, I think. And, uh, and I think there has been some talk that maybe he would honor his ancestors and be George VII, for example. Right. Because I guess Charles III, Charles I was beheaded. But there was a Charles II, so it's not like Richard where the name has been poisoned by one lousy king.
1: Right. He could be Charles III, although I, is there, has there never been a Charles III? Probably in France. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's been French and Spanish. Charles Charles For III. sure. Yeah, Charles. Carlos. El, uh, El Trace. Mm, Carlos El Trace. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure they called him. I am sure that Prince Charles has thought about this a lot. He's got this name already picked out. But there's no way that they would skip him. He is absolutely if if his mother dies before he does, he will ascend. Yes, but he will, you know, but he'll be An old person.
2: An old man. But you he's know, still n- he, not a
1: vibrant young. He has vitality.
2: Sure. He he's looking good
1: for 70, whatever he'll be. But so they've planned extensively for this death. And why? Why would it not just why would she just not die? And they would have a funeral for her like Diana? And then uh, Charles would be king and, and keep the like keep the happy feeling going. Well, there's lots of there have been lots of
2: deaths of royals in the past for precedent, including in the recent past. You know, the Queen Mother died in 2002. Right. She was 101
1: years old. She was beloved as well. Sure.
2: Uh, so there's precedent for this, but there apparently is no precedent for someone who has been monarch for. I think they know this is just going to be an
1: order of magnitude bigger deal for the country. Well, Victoria reigned for decades and was beloved and gave her name to an entire era. Sure.
2: And what's interesting about that, many historians have pointed out, is that that was an age of empire building. You know, Britain got bigger and better every year Victoria was on the throne. Right. Whereas I'm sure Elizabeth is very aware that the story of her era is going to be the decline of her country.
1: Right. When she took over, uh, there was
2: still a colonial She's still the Empress of uh, Kenya or whatever wasn't independent yet, you know, when she took over. Right. And even uh, Canada
1: was still in her not not just part of the Dominion of England, but in her direct she was the monarch of Canada and australia sure, but elizabeth 's reign
2: has uh, been marked by you know if Brexit happens by the time Queen Elizabeth dies, maybe Scotland and Northern Ireland will no longer be parts of the united kingdom well you know, there it's... she'll
1: always have Barbados
2: <laughs> right <laughs> that's sort of the funny thing to me. I was reading you know when the queen's death is announced, the very first people to know are going to be governors general ambassadors, prime ministers, and so on, which means that, you know, the word will go out first before the media even gets a hold of this. The word will go out to the governor general of Barbados right. and Antigua and Barbuda, you know, all these ceremonial mall opening guys <laughs> are going to know first and they're going to go to the cabinet and pull out the three quarter inch black armband. Uh-huh. And they're going to be the first ones to know that the queen is dead. Long live the king.
1: But this will be a thing where there are red envelopes probably made of uh Horween leather, all around the world, uh, what to do?
2: It's incredibly well rehearsed. There are binders and binders and binders. Let's kind of go through it. It's the reason why London Bridge is the code name. When her when her dad died, it was Hyde Park Corner. So I guess it's always geographic. So they didn't want switchboard operators listening in. You know, when they say the king's dead, so instead they say Hyde Park Corner. You I know? see. I see. It's they get a code name. It's fun.
1: But wait, don't those don't all the newscasters know London right. Bridge is down?
2: Well, once they listen to this. It's very important that we not release this recording into the future. No, it's been widely reported in the British press that the code word is London Bridge is down. So now it must just be the fun of having a code word. Yeah.
1: Do do you like it? Do you like London Bridge is down? Uh, It feels a little bit like a... um a sort of an extension of the triple X series of movies, right? It shouldn't there, it just feels like a, like Olympus has fallen. Yeah. Dumb sort of uh, like spy flick.
3: Oh, I
2: like to me, it's because it's a nursery rhyme. It's got more of a John le Carré. Tinker Taylor Agatha Christie kind of thing going on. You yeah, know? I see
1: that too. Sure, it's that's, a, so that's
2: kind of fun. London
1: Bridge is down, but that would be a code for like losing the Firefox. It's not like <laughs> the same as as uh, as a as a monarch. What, what would you? Do you have a name? Would you? Do you have a code name you'd prefer? Yeah, I think it should be something more befitting her stature. She's not a bridge. Corgi one. Yeah. Or, or, well, not Corgi one. I think it should be something like Valhalla is in flames or, Ah. or, uh, you know, Nordic. Yeah. Or, you know, because they are a Germanic line, like it should be called, she should be Brandenburg. The
2: Reichstag's on fire. Yeah, Maybe not that. Not
1: that. That's a bad
2: one. What about like Charles in charge? That would be (laughs) like the guy gets the guy in the, in the bearskin hat gets on the phone. Charles in in charge, charge. click, and then the wheels start turning. Well, then
1: the theme music
3: plays. Yeah,
2: the theme music, Charles (laughs) in charge plays, (laughs) instead of God Save the Queen. I don't think that's going to
3: become the anthem. When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free, plus $20 off your first box when you visit ButcherBox.com slash iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. That's ButcherBox.com slash iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. Yeah, So, so the, you know, tons of government
2: agencies and uh, broadcasters, all, the whole apparatus meets two to three times a year to discuss and update and rehearse what they call the death of a senior national figure, because I guess it would be bad vibes to be like for when her majesty
1: kicks off. When you think about Kennedy dying, which right. was the last time we had a president in office pass away, uh, and, and a surprise and a horror, it truly was a nation in mourning for weeks and weeks. Sure. Uh, NFL games canceled and, uh, A ton of, is that really your standard of a nation in mourning?
2: Well, think about what it would take to cancel NFL games, man. I mean, that's that's who runs America. I guess that's true. Follow the money, man. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, and there was a big procession at Jackie's insistence, even though it was a security risk. There was a massive royalty style procession.
1: Where Uh, they followed behind the gun carriage.
2: And that's what's going to happen in London as well. But you know, that's a, what's interesting is that's a pretty recent development. You know, as recently as the 19th century, the British and particularly the royal family looked down on that kind of pomp and circumstance as very continental. Really? Yeah. Sure. The Habsburgs and the Bourbons go in for that kind of thing, but we are a, uh, a,
1: a more modest people. So they mourned behind closed doors. I mean, when Victoria died, there were that lots was, of commemorative plates. Yeah. Victoria's death, I think kind of
2: marked the change. Uh, you know, in past British funerals, they were all rather dismal. when, when Princess Charlotte died in 1817, it's George III's wife, whom mm-hmm. Charlotte, North Carolina, is named after. The royal undertakers were drunk. In 1827, when the Duke of York died, the chapel was so cold that the foreign secretary got rheumatic fever, and the Bishop of London later died from it. <laughs> but Victoria was obsessed. Those were the days. But Victoria was obsessed with her own death. She was the first goth, essentially. Well, because her husband died when she
1: was so young. Right. She's- She'd been separated from Albert for she, s- she spent decades in mourning. She never wore anything but black from the day he died. She didn't
2: like it when people called and said, You have Prince Albert in the can. Oh. Very, very tasteless to do that to the Queen. When did in my the, opinion.
1: When did the piercing uh, <laughs> develop, to <laughs> start to be called the Prince Albert? I don't even know where. Is that a reference to, to His Royal Highness? I can't imagine that he had a Prince
2: Albert. Of all the people who could have a Prince Albert, I would say Prince Albert is close to the bottom of the
1: list. To those of you in the future, the uh, Prince Albert. Let's be delicate about what a Prince Albert is. Yeah, a Prince Albert piercing is a piercing. In the last place,
2: a male would want to get a piercing. That's right. Um, So she was obsessed with her own death and planned her funeral. You know, she knew what was going to be in her casket from 1870. Like a bottle of Jim
1: Beam and a
2: a couple of blunts. And her husband's Prince Albert stud. Oh, dear. Uh, and also, Edward the Seventh, her son, was apparently very vain, and so he upped the ante even more. And you, I, I think what you're seeing there is kind of the Teutonic quality of the German royalty
1: seeping into the British it is a, tradition. It, it is a continental problem.
2: They want the, the the goose-stepping guards and the stiff salutes, and you know they want the whole Teutonic vibe. Right. But as early, you know, in the nineteenth century, Queen Victoria was, you know, riding around in a donkey cart because that's just not how they did things there. But it will be very different when uh, Queen Elizabeth dies. You know, they, they know every detail. You know, these meetings will cover the fact that it takes 28 minutes to slow march from St. James's Palace to the entrance of Westminster Hall. You know, this is already timed down to the second for an event that has not happened yet. Right. It's said that the London Times has 11 days of coverage already written and ready to go. Wow. Because, you know, the story's not going to be that much different. <laughs> right. You know, Wait, wait, wait. But then her
1: hip-hop record came out in 2019.
2: <laughs> when that dropped. Um, yeah, and they'll vary things slightly. Like, like, you know, they've done a bunch of rehearsals for the Queen's Death, calling her Mrs. Robinson, I believe. That's kind of the code name when, when the networks do this. Now,
1: uh, that's interesting. Yeah, why is she a
2: middle-aged American sex object? Hard to say. Well,
1: I'm trying to figure out, like... Is this the last secret of the British monarchy that she's been like a sex kitten her this whole time? What M- multiple affairs What young hot
2: Soho photographer has been seen in in Windsor Castle, so they'll vary it up a little. you know for many years there were rehearsals where the Queen Mother choked on a fishbone, and you know the the broadcasters would rehearse doing the story that way. Cause they don't want to mess this up. Right. Um, there was even one where Diana died in a, a car accident on the M4. And that no. was, and that was rehearsed no. many years before something similar
1: happened. Is that right? Yeah. Why did they get it so wrong in that case? I mean, when she died, there's
2: the, well, the, what I'm talking about is broadcasters rehearsing. Oh, they I were all ready to go. The Royal family was caught off guard famously. Um, but uh, the media is all ready to go. The BBC has a special radio alert transmission system or rats. Left over from the Cold War, which was supposed to issue emergency news. And now, in the absence of a Cold War, it pretty much only exists in case Queen Elizabeth
1: dies. They maintain the system? Yeah, just no, for nobody this?
2: there has ever seen it. Like, unless it gets tested, nobody there has ever seen it working. It's a longstanding joke at the Beeb that when some weird noise happens or the computer does something weird, people will be like, Is that rats? <laughs> <laughs> the, the joke is that it stands for royal about to snuff it <laughs>
3: uh-huh.
2: <laughs> because that's all it's for. There's also blue um blue lights that turn on in every BBC facility that are tested once a week that again are for a national emergency but they're called obit lights because they only exist for this one woman's death at this point.
1: Is this does this feel to you like a um I mean obviously it's like a self-generating media cluster right they they don't need all this. She could die and just and they would just hear about it, and they could put into motion all their obituaries. They don't need blue lights in the studio.
2: It's an old media relic for sure. And I don't know, maybe they, maybe they like that, or maybe it's just I too think, expensive to tear out. I think they, I, they must like
1: it. I mean, I like it just hearing about
2: it. Journalists must like tradition and hate everything that has happened to their field in the last 20 years, you know, post-Murdoch Britain. Um, I imagine they love the blue lights.
1: I mean, we we there's such an appeal to the idea that there's a red phone sitting on the president's desk, right? And there isn't a red phone, and there's never been a red phone, but we still have it in our minds. It wasn't red, and it wasn't even a phone. Well, right, and the idea that there was a phone that the president could pick up and talk to Khrushchev or something like it never existed. No,
2: there's no there's no trans. It's like a teletype system, if that. You
1: You would have to talk to 15 different enlisted Air Force corporals before before the connection was ever made
2: that's something i think about a lot with this whole thing is that you know britain has this uh, whole royal apparatus that it's easy to make fun of and say as a as a throwback because no other european country by the way has anything like this they have very simple monarchs with very prescribed duties and they, they keep up almost none of this there's no coronations anywhere in in Europe anymore.
1: Well, the remaining British, or the remaining European monarchs are uh, the Netherlands, Belgium. Sweden.
2: I was in the Stockholm airport and there's a big picture of Jim Broadbent, but it turns out that's just what the king of Sweden looks like.
1: (laughs) Denmark, right? There's there's uh, queen
2: in Denmark, I think.
1: uh, And and where else is there even, I guess, like, does Luxembourg still have a duke? I don't know. You said Spain, right? Uh, Well, yeah, Spain. I didn't, but yeah, Spain.
2: Um, And except for that, you know, Europe is pretty short on monarchies, but one thing you get out of this constitutional monarchy is you get some sense of national continuity and symbolism that transcends any kind of party divide. Right. You know, it's a the queen is apolitical, and so Britain, unlike America, has this super powerful symbol of government. Even though she's not government, she's the palace. But a symbol of the nation is entirely that transcends all political ideology. And, you know, recently in our country, we've kind of seen all our symbols kind of be tainted by the worst kind of divisive political ideology on, you could say on both sides, if you're into both sides until, you know, all these things that we thought were institutions kind of seem tainted. Nobody wants to go to the hall of presidents at Disney world anymore. You know, the, the census bureau is, it has some political hack running it. Who's written books about how to gerrymander elections, you know, <laughs> like all these, you know, uh, what's left,
1: the Smithsonian. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but, but even in Britain, there's been since at least the 70s, it's a talisman of radicalism. I mean, radicalism in the leftist sense. Sometimes of the word. in the
2: sense of very serious editorials and left leaning papers.
1: Yeah, that the monarchy is obsolete right. and that to perpetuate it. So there is a political aspect to sort of respecting the monarchy. But if you're a moderate liberal, you have as much, you honor the the sure. queen and the royal family.
2: You, you know, if, if she showed up at your, at your work, you'd get in the line like anybody else, even if you thought maybe we'd be better off without the monarchy. Right. You know, you, you no, nobody, nobody hates the queen. You know, it's not like when the president shows up at, at a factory and probably half the people there didn't vote for him. Right. And, uh, you know, and say terrible things about him on Facebook. So they have something we don't, I guess.
1: And I think in, in terms of the idea that the royal family is a drain, a financial drain on the, on the United Kingdom, it's kind of been over the course of the 20th century as, as the empire has crumbled, they've also seriously curtailed the amount of public money they give. They have tightened the purse strings, right? Yeah, and so the royal family subsists on their obviously enormous land holdings, uh, but they're more or less self-sustaining. When Windsor Castle burned down, whenever
2: that was, uh, you know, not burned down, but there was a massive fire that destroyed, you know, priceless parts of the royal quarters in Windsor Castle. They had to raise all the money privately. They created a trust and got um, rich old money to to kick in because they wanted to make it very clear that the tax coffers were not building a nice castle.
1: Right. Out by Legoland. I think if you're Queen Elizabeth, your Patreon gets funded pretty, <laughs> pretty quickly, Right. Well, well, we'll find out when her hip hop record comes out,
2: yeah. I guess, how, yeah. how that Kickstarter does. My favorite thing about the radio coverage, by the way, is that um, the BBC uh, music, the stations that run music, have playlists ready to go. They have Mood 2 and Mood 1.
1: Is it all The Cure? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's all Joy Division? Mood, mood 2 is, is just, um, you know, restrained, whereas Mood 1 is extremely somber. So there's actually different levels of sadness in the pop music. One, 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 um radio source told The Guardian if you ever hear, if you're ever in a hospital and you hear Haunted Dance Hall Nursery Remix by Sabres of Paradise on Daytime
1: Radio 1, turn the TV on. No kidding. Something
2: terrible has just happened if they're playing that certain remix.
1: Well, I would think it would all be classical music. I would think it would just be Strauss. Maybe they're
2: too modern for that now. So it's just like, it's just very sad. Um, like uh, orchestral maneuvers in the dark? It's just emo. It's just,
1: <laughs> it's just super trancy kind of uh, stuff all of a sudden. Wh- when I die, if they, as the last person to die uh, in yeah. the world. Yeah, what would
2: you like? I uh, hey, just wanted it to be
1: skinny puppy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the day on which the queen died will be called D-Day. And so all the plans have D plus one, D plus two. All the way up to D plus nine, which is the funeral. The BBC will ban all satire until the funeral. What? I think all comedy. I think all comedy went off the airways when George VI died. Although there probably wasn't a lot of comedy on the radio
1: at the time. No, but there's a lot of comedy now. Are you saying that there will be no? That's the day the laughter died? Will it be the <laughs> there there? That's where the accent comes in handy. Uh, there won't be any sitcoms on the air.
2: The sitcoms will have to be kind of anodyne as, as long as they're essentially apolitical and not satirical in any way. Oh, I Top, see. Topical
1: humor will die. Um, you won't be able to make ironic jokes about the queen dying on public television.
2: <laughs> right, but not even that. Like anything that even kind of borders on affairs of state or government, I think, will be verboten for fully almost two weeks. Huh. They don't know where she's going to die, of course. Balmora, Balmora will be maybe the biggest production because then she's got to do all this Scottish lying in-state stuff right. before she even comes to the capital. Well,
1: and I'm sure some sort of funeral train. I mean, they won't just ship her in the in the hold of, a, of an airplane. They'll probably have to move her body. Yeah, it'll be the
2: Hogwarts Express. Mm-hmm. Uh will be pulled out of uh, mothballs. <laughs> if she dies overseas, there, there's a plane always ready to go. There's a, There's a plane always ready to go in case the queen dies overseas to go pick up and then there's a first call coffin ready to go at the Royal Undertaker's ready to get on that plane and head to wherever she is. The right. coffin's a pretty big deal. It's got it's very specific. It's got to have this three inch rim and a false lid because the crown jewels have to fit in there when she lies in state, they don't get, they, they don't, don't get buried. buried with her. Right. The tourists would be very disappointed.
1: Well now where will she, where is her mausoleum? Surely they are going to have a public place.
2: Oh, I see. Not where she's buried. The The, the royals are always interred at Windsor Castle uh, in the crypt at Windsor. But you're asking... Which is not publicly accessible? Right. Well, the chapel is, but I assume not the crypt. I've been in the chapel, but I think you're right that the, you can't... So there would be monuments everywhere. Like, right. you know, the, that giant gaudy thing that Victoria built for Albert in uh, in Kensington Garden.
1: There must be already statuary and, and mar- carved marble... For her public... Oh, that's uh,
2: interesting. You think there's already sculptors on call or even works already made? I
1: think there are works already made. I think the, I think it's been decided. Uh, there's, there must be a space dedicated to it, and it's, it's raring to go. They're not going to carve her on her death day. Right. The statue isn't going to be her at 99. With one of those little oxygen things <laughs> in both nostrils. <laughs> no, I'm sure they picked her at her most... Uh, her most regal and photogenic. Her most princess-like. It's going to be some late
2: fifties Elizabeth that we see right.
1: commemorated, or maybe not.
2: Maybe it's a, a grandmotherly woman with corgis. That's. What.
1: I think probably. I mean, since she is the last living connection to the empire, the United Kingdom at its apogee, maybe a little bit after. Right? She, like It's on the f- downhill slope. The 50s weren't maybe its peak. No. But still, I think she'll probably be remembered in her, most, in her most royal state, pre-African, like, self-rule.
2: Think about how many people have known no other world but one with her in it. You know, she has seen 13 prime ministers come and go, three of the last four of which were born during her reign. Yeah. She wow. was already queen when Theresa May was born. Wow. 13 U.S. presidents. Six James Bonds, six <laughs> James's Bond, I guess, uh, you know, she, she, the whole world has changed and nobody's going to remember, have, have remembered anything else. So right. it's going to be, the idea is it's going to be incredibly traumatic and disorienting for the British people. It's not just like, they, oh, this will be like the last time this happened. It'll be like 9-11 because nothing like it has ever happened to that country.
0: start. That's unlimited access to thousands of lessons, exercises, and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks. Just go to musician.com slash start. That's Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-A-N dot com slash start.
1: I think the rise, I think that Prince William has restored some of the, the love for the monarchy that Charles could never accomplish. I agree. He's always been just seen as so callow.
2: Well, and he and his wife were cheating on each other for a decade, so everybody got um, jaded about their former fairytale wedding. Camilla isn't really – Nobody's never, that jazzed about Camilla,
1: right? But, but,
2: and, but Charles uh, – you know, but William has not yet uh, – William and Kate are not cheating on each other yet. Right? And the kids are incredibly cute.
1: And they are a pretty beautiful couple. Oh, my gosh. Even as – when he was losing his hair, it felt like, oh, no, he was so beautiful. But as a bald man, he's quite handsome if you were going to design
2: some family to keep the monarchy going, you almost could not do better. Like maybe they were like engineered in a lab outside (laughs) Slough or something, you
1: know, (laughs) there was a feeling. And I remember feeling it quite distinctly that Elizabeth's children had, were such children of the seventies. There was kind of just a residue of cocaine around them. And it felt like the family could never be rehabilitated, but somehow now our, uh, the millennial king is is just so darn respectable, and his brother's a war hero.
2: I remember talk about you know when Elizabeth dies, will that be the end of the monarchy? Because sure. no one's that into Charles, and you just don't hear that anymore.
1: No, everybody's really psyched about it. We have a a, a young king and his his rakish brother,
2: w- who now has a like a a biracial American wife. How great is that? Yep, I went to a play once. Uh, there's a play called Charles the Third, which is kind of like in Shakespearean English, but it. The gimmick is that it's actually about a future uh, monarch and not a What a, a weird one.
1: idea. What a weird gimmick. Uh,
2: it's And it's fun, you know, because it's all about how Charles takes the throne and he actually wants to be more involved and, you know, he really cannot be constitutionally and a, and a, a crisis results. But in that play, Prince Harry actually starts dating a um, kind of biracial middle class girl and it leads to kind of a racial panic in the British upper class. And then it actually happened in real life, except maybe with less of the race panic, one would hope.
1: There's a little bit of race panic, for sure. But for the most part, the, the, the populace, right, has enthusiastically embraced them.
2: I assume it's just maybe a certain kind of nobility who, but, you know, they're the last people to just be throwing stones about uh, genetics, you know? Like, <laughs> 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 if anybody has no place to talk about
1: weird reading, uh, you know. Well, now, this is weird in, this, in that Queen Elizabeth has resolutely stayed out of politics. But Charles gets his muddy boots all over politics. And now William again seems sort of above the fray. What was it about that generation, Elizabeth's children, that were so dissolute? I don't know. Like, you're
2: chalking it up to the 70s as if they were all hanging out at Studio 54. And I don't know, like, I don't know if that's true. Did that that dissolute aura extend to Buckingham Palace?
1: I... I mean, I just can't, I can't imagine that those kids weren't affected by the 60s and 70s. It wasn't like Elizabeth was ever sickly. They kind of just were playboys. I mean, think about Charles's betrothal to Diana. He had no say in it and he kind of was petulant about it. That doesn't seem like how things are done today. Although, the, although William picked his own, his own spouse. A big
2: part of the queen's funeral is going to be Charles's succession. Like that's the story. Like he is proclaimed King the very next day, long before her funeral. What? No. Yeah. Well, he's not crowned, but the first thing that happens on D plus one is, uh, you know, uh, some kind of Royal Herald, uh, with the craziest, Title Long Trumpet, the Garter Principal King of Arms. Hmm. This sort of a.
1: Uh, oh, so he's a member of the Order of the Garter, which is the which highest. Is
2: Prince Charles's thing. Yeah, this yeah. guy's the chief heraldic guy in the United Kingdom. He's a genealogist, and his uh, his office has received the same salary, forty nine pounds and seven pence, since the eighteen thirties. That's his salary, and he will he will officially be the guy who proclaims um, Prince Charles. Apparently, the Prince of Wales will be declared Charles the Third. We can only assume, uh, His Majesty. And heralds will march around. They'll go to Trafalgar Square and yell it again, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's the center of London. They will march to the city of London, the old historic city, which is now kind of the financial district, which will be, the road will be blocked by a red cord and that will be drawn aside so they can go into the city of London and again, do their same thing. Long live the king. The bells at uh, Windsor Castle, they rang 56 times for George VI because he died at 56. So I can only assume that that will be a much longer Whoa! You know that those bells could ring 95 or 105 times, <laughs> depending on when Her Majesty kicks the bucket. Westminster Hall is immediately locked because they're going to have to get it spiffy for the TV and social event of the millennium. So they they start cleaning and carpeting it immediately. And on that day through day four, and, and Prince Charles immediately now King Charles heads out around the country to meet people. That's the new idea that he's going to the king of the people. So he goes out on a series of meet and greets all over Britain. Well, meanwhile, um, Elizabeth lies in state in Westminster Hall. Yeah, there's a procession from the throne room where she's been brought to Westminster Hall where she's going to lie in state. Uh, The procession will probably have her corgis in it. The last one had the king's
1: dogs. Mm, I want to see that. You
2: don't think that's, you don't think that's uh, regal?
1: I love it. The parade of corgis. I I, mean, are they going to be in a carriage or are they going to march? Maybe they march. I hope they march.
2: Corgis are not an easy dog to train. I'm not, I'm not sanguine about that. And it's going to be time. So the big Ben will chime as the carriage comes to a stop right in front of Westminster Hall.
1: One time or 99 times?
2: <laughs> I do not know the exact number of times.
1: It's, uh, it's going to be like the beginning of For Those About to Rock.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the Queen will lie in state at Westminster Hall uh, for the next four days. It'll be open 23 hours a day for mourners. Huh. And they expect the line will be essentially six miles long. Wow because like 350,000 people came to see her dad and that's only going to it's going to be twice as many basically. Wow. So it's the line will go all the way back to the Thames and snake around. There That'll will,
1: be an interesting visual.
2: Can you imagine? You and, don't see that. And think about the logistics of setting up all the the porta-potties or porta-loos or whatever they're called there and the little canteen selling tea and uh it's going to just be an amazing security and logistical
1: yeah. nightmare. When you think about it as a target for terrorism um That opens up like awful possibilities, and I'm sure that the British internal security has thought of that. I'm
2: sure part of the planning that does not make the papers is the incredible security, because every head of state is going to come too. You know, and they're all going to be in Westminster
1: Abbey at once. This sounds like the plot of a of some kind of like uh garbage is a, modern is film. Tom
2: Clown, do you think they leave one head of state out, like at the State of the Union, so just in case everybody else gets, you know, a plane crashes into Westminster Abbey, at least there's the, going to the, be one the global president leader? of the Swaziland is left to to run the world, <laughs> like the like the Secretary of Agriculture.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, do you feel? Uh, Just personally, do you think that this is wonderful or do you feel it's anachronistic?
2: Uh, I think people are going to need it. This doesn't sound like the kind of thing people are going to be sick of at all. If anything, I think four days, that's kind of short, you know? I mean, I guess you can't just leave her there forever. But um, after- But it's it's
1: much longer than that. Nine days, 11 days.
2: Sure. On D plus nine, you know, uh, the crown jewels are dusted for two hours and returned to where they belong. At 9 a.m., Big Ben chimes again, but this time- with a seven sixteenths of an inch thick leather, uh, a piece of leather to muffle the bell. So it sounds appropriately
1: sad. Oh, when you said seven I was like, I thought that was the time signature. The bell's going to ring, but in like seven sixteen times time. Dave
2: Brubeck has written this amazing piece.
1: Boom. It's going to be like the
2: Mission Impossible theme. Uh, and there will be uh, a moment of silence nationwide when the coffin reaches the doors of the Abbey. Like trains will, buses will pull over and the drivers will get out and put their hat over their chest. Huh. And when the Queen leaves, the Queen will leave the Abbey and uh, she will be pulled in her hearse from Westminster to Paddington, where she gets on the train to her final interment mm-hmm. in Windsor Castle, where Prince Char- uh, King Charles then um, takes a silver bowl and dumps one bowl full of earth on her grave. But the interesting thing to me is her hearse will be pulled to Paddington. Not by horses, but by 138 Royal Navy sailors. Oh, sure.
1: I thought you were going to say corgis.
2: By 138 <laughs> genetically altered corgis the size of horses.
1: If you put 138 corgis into harnesses, I bet you they could pull her.
2: There is no way. If you need 138 uh, dowdy men of the Royal Navy, there's no way. It'd be like a, you need, you'd need thousands of corgis. Although that's a mental picture I would not mind seeing.
1: That's so amazing. Thousands of corgis just like pouring like lemmings over the hills.
2: This is a tradition that dates back to Queen Victoria's funeral when um, the horses bolted and nobody could pull the gun carriage. And so a bunch of sailors that were just standing at attention there were pressed into service.
1: Do you know why they use a gun carriage?
2: Are you going to tell me why they use a gun carriage?
1: Uh, The gun carriage is actually a tradition also dating only to the 19th century, just as a way of... um, Acknowledging that heads of state are also the heads of the armed forces.
2: Yeah, and I think that's that's the kind of thing that was new in Victoria's era. That uh, you know, before then, royal funerals in Britain were a little bit sad. Yeah, it seems to me that one thing that the royal family has that we don't, you know, in addition to well, all the corgis, but also just the thing that Americans. How do mean, you know how many corgis I have? This uh, the future <laughs> will never know that you are uh, one of those ho- corgi hoarders. <laughs> The the thing that fascinates people about the royal family, I think, is that they are a family. You know, right. that, um, like the closest we ever had maybe is the Kennedys, and everyone always talks about you know their youth and vibrance and the glamour. But I think what goes often unsaid is that what we loved about the Kennedys was that they were a family with you know all the internal squabbles and drama and emotion. And, you know,
1: cousins that got into scuffles in uh, Florida nightclubs.
2: Sure. And P- Peter Lawford's a movie star and he, he's related somehow. And Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sure. Arnold Schwarzenegger's kind of a Kennedy. And who's the next one up? Is he going to follow the legacy? And it's kind of the same way. You know, that's as close as we get to a royal family. You know, there's still one screw up brother who drinks a lot. I guess, I guess Princess Margaret in, in the case of the British mm-hmm. and, the, you know, the kind of the rebel one although she never crashed her car and uh, drowned anyone. Good job, Princess Margaret, that we know of. And, you know, they even have, you know, Diana is their JFK Jr., you know, their misunderstood one who died too young. But we like that. It's like, it's almost like the Greek myths, you know, because we understand the internal dynamics of a family. Yeah. So to have our, our mythology, our modern mythology, have those kind of relationships in it, that's very, it, w- it doesn't have to be that way. You know, when you look at the stories that we tell today, you know. Harry Potter or the Justice League or the Avengers or whatever, you know, these things all have surrogate families. Star Wars is maybe our last modern mythology. That's about a real generational family, but we don't have to tell the story this way, but we like it. You know, we, we we wish we had that.
1: Even more interesting to me is the American fascination with this. Like we have zero connection to the Royal family and we should by all rights be sort of, uh, aloof from them sure, because
2: we, we, we sacrifice tens of thousands of lives to not have that.
1: Right. And have, and have always put ourselves at, a, at one distance from European, uh, Royal. I mean, that was, it's right there in our constitution. And yet we're just as enamored, maybe not just as enamored. We don't have so many serving dishes with uh, the queen's picture on
2: them. I think you'd be surprised by how much people in the United Kingdom know about minor Royals that we have,
1: yeah, I was about Just to say, never heard of, whatever happened to Prince Andrew and Prin- Princess Anne? But I'm sure they know was, a lot more.
2: I was watching The Crown, which future listeners is kind of a uh, throwback soap opera about the royal family that's very popular in our era. And uh, Queen Elizabeth gave birth to Prince Andrew. And I was like, all right, great. Prince Andrew, he's going to marry Fergie. And then she gets pregnant again. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Twist? It turns, out, it turns out there's Prince Edward, you know, you know like. As an American, I was like, really? And I'm sure every British schoolchild knows a hundred royals more obscure than Prince Edward.
1: Right. And well, there we are all are. those. there's all that minor nobility that ends up being a kind of like Paris Hilton level of celebrity who are just famous for being rich and posh.
2: They're, they're, just, they're just to exist in tabloid headlines yeah. and, and nothing else. Right. But yeah, we do sort of wish we had it, right? We, we aspire to it. It's going to be hard not just on the kingdom or the commonwealth, when Her Majesty dies. It's going to be difficult for the whole world, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the end of a of an idea as much as of an era. And that concludes London Bridges Down. Entry 733.2K0934. Certificate number 34884 in the Omnibus. In the unlikely event, uh, that social media still exists in your era, uh, Eternals, tweets, our tweets, our long dead tweets are archived at, at Omnibus Project. Our handles were at Ken Jennings and at John Roderick. I also maintained a fantastic Instagram account where I've started putting pictures of my kid, which I didn't used to do. I noticed that you guys did the polar bear plunge. Yeah. We just, uh, we just jumped in the frozen lake together, and she was very bold.
3: Good for her. Yeah.
1: Uh, my Instagram account was under, also under my name, John Roderick. Our address for email, uh, which was, uh, we used to say a popular form of written electronic communication, but it's not really. It's just a necessary evil. It has become less popular in the few months we've been doing this podcast, in fact. I hate getting email almost as much as I hate getting circulars for Safeway in my real mailbox.
2: Definitely talk about how much you hate email before you read the address. Oh, right. People and, are going to love that. No, no,
1: no. I love getting email from you, futurelings. How would they even be emailing you, John? That seems implausible. Uh, they're eternal, and it's the eternal return. <laughs> I don't know if eternal means they can
2: go back in time eternally,
1: but maybe. Well, but uh, But time is an illusion if you're eternal.
2: That's true. They sound outside time and space and can enter fourth dimensionally to any point in time and get on a computer at a library maybe and and
1: shoot you an email. They're probably standing all around us, but we can't see them because they're moving so either fast or slow that our eyes cannot perceive them. I feel like if they were
2: moving too slow, we could still see them.
1: Like I can see that clock over there and it, it, it hasn't moved an inch. Yeah, but what about super slow? What if it took a thousand years just for them to like move an inch? Maybe
2: we, maybe we wouldn't see them. We would think of them as trees. Maybe they are trees. Maybe all the trees in our time are t- uh, time-traveling, future listeners moving very slowly.
1: To the future Ents that are watching us from their position rooted in my yard, our email address is and was omnibusproject at com.
2: Listeners, uh, if you truly are deathless, you may have nothing but free time, which is good. You have hours and hours to devote to the omnibus. Um, But our time and our period may be limited. We don't know how long our civilization will survive, when the doom will finally arrive. We hope and pray that that catastrophe may hold off for decades to come. But if the worst does come soon, this recording, like every recording you hear of us, may be our final word to you. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.